You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 268 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. I'm excited about this week's episode, How to Stand Out from the Pack with Photoshop guru Aaron Nace from Flurn. And just before we uh, started the podcast, we had a little Photoshop lesson ourselves, didn't we, We Val? Yes, thank you. Um, Very, very useful, all your tips. Yeah. So very keen to learn more in this episode. I love that you're getting into Photoshop, Val. It's so cool. Mm, It's good. I was um, doing various things today. Um, YouTube is my friend. Your tutorials are my friend. Um, And, uh, you know, picking your brain. (laughs) I never thought I'd hear, like, the fact that you asked me about blend modes, I'm like, (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> yes, I know. You saw you 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 saw the day finally when it was happening. So I know that I have a lot more to learn. So um, I'll be asking you a lot more questions as well. And I think that there's a thing with Photoshop is that you can, um, I mean, you know the basics kind of thing, or you 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 do certain color adjustments and and that sort of thing. But there's a whole other level that you can obviously learn, especially with um what you can teach. So I'm really keen to learn heaps more. So what else is happening this week for you, Gina? Well, I want to make a big welcome to all the new listeners uh, and all the new So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community members. If you're not a member yet, um, I'd love to see you guys in there in the Facebook group. Just go to the So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community, ask to join, I'll let you in, and it's a great community. It's been a lot around um, at the moment about trolling happening on especially photography websites, and I also Mm. know some new members when they come in they might post oh please don't trash here's my photo please don't trash me and I'm just thinking mm-hmm. wow and I've no, I'm, I'm uh, a member of uh, a few other communities and I do see this a lot but not in our community Val which yeah, I'm very very proud of and it's Absolutely. like it's um because when you're starting out and you do need that like other eyes on your work, I think it's really yes. important because if you don't do that and you just um, hold off on posting and you're not sharing your work, then you miss out on that opportunity to have that other set of eyes saying, oh, you know, that's great. But just because you're not seeing everything when you're starting out, you just, you, all you want to know is I got my photo sharp and, and, or it's, you know, um, 
exposed correctly, but then there's all these next level thing. And that's what's great about this community is there's people of all different levels in there. And you're going to have that other set of eyes that might notice things like white balance or, you know, the horizon. It's not straight or just give you those little tips that you need. And it's a really good way to take your photography to the next level. So is critiquing other photographers work. So if you see someone who is a little bit behind you on their journey and you notice something, uh, pointing it out and also learning how to critique with kindness is a Mm. good thing so that you encourage the person without like, and like I said, in, in other communities, it's just like a pile on to, to, Mm. you know, critique the subject choice, which is not, you know, all of these things. But the good thing about our community is it is uh, done with kindness. Um, yes, so big thank you to all of our listeners just for being such lovely, awesome people because they? I think it's absolutely fantastic. Everyone is so supportive in this community and um, while we've never had to do it, just rest assured if anyone is um, an asshole, I'm going to kick them out. Yeah. And yeah. that was also why our community is so awesome. But it's never happened because everyone is um, has been so lovely. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's lovely to see. You know, that, like I've seen, there's been nights when someone's just like, "Oh my god, I've got to do my first event tomorrow." help and then everyone just rallies and the support and and it's not just technical advice it's just that yeah. moral support you've got this you can do this so you just feel like you've got this whole community behind you and I don't think there's a better feeling than when you're going out going hey I've got all these people saying I've done or to, that, that when you um, make a mistake which we all do to say oh this is what I did and then you hear all, the, all these people posting oh yeah I did that I've done that you feel so much better you know yeah absolutely so um if you haven't yet joined just go to facebook and search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community and we'd love to have you in there in the meantime there is also another level of community and that is the gold community those people who have chosen to work uh more closely with gina have become gold members and you've been doing a bit of stuff on that too haven't you gina? i busy love with the, gold the gold community, community. yes yes big is busy busy this week we did our ama facebook live and of course when we uh, went to do it facebook live was down and mm. thanks to the uh, amazing ra from she came, stepped in at the last minute and just, I don't know, tapped into satellites at NASA. I don't know what she did, Val, but she got it to work. And so we went through another third-party app and uh, got it up and running and was a fantastic – I love doing the AMA Facebook Lives. It's so, so that's good. The- Ask me anything. Ask me anything. And we've also been workshopping uh, quoting in them and, and sort of the mindset around quoting and coaching uh, the members through using off-camera flash and, you, you know, using flash so that it doesn't look flashy so that it's, people can look at the photo and they're not sure if it was was that lit or is that natural light, which is a really important skill and shooting events advice on buying the right gear, overcoming fear, so much good stuff. Love working with the Goldies, Val. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to find out a little bit more about the Gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold community. I loved mentoring Christy Hurd, who's been a member of our Gold community. I've always encouraged members to pursue their own passion projects. 
Christy started taking photos of a Brad Pitt doll to practice her lighting setups, but this escalated into a full-blown passion project as she started to photograph Brad in a variety of different outfits and locations. Ultimately, she created a stunning coffee table book of her images. Putting a book together is something that I've always dreamed of um, and I've actually done it and I'm incredibly proud of it and the feedback that I've got from family and friends and from the community as well, Gina, you know, it's just been amazing. Um, and it's opened quite a few doors um, and you never know where it's going to take you. Yeah, I have, um, I've had a couple of people interested in working with me. Um, one of those people is a fashion house in Paris. It's called... I know. <laughs> when I'm speaking it, I'm like, really? Um, yeah, so there's, there's a fashion house in Paris called uh, Lords and Fools, and they create um, fashion for men and women, which is inspired by... Um, military so they they're very regal they've got a lot of um, you know great looking outfits that they create and um, they created John Bon Jovi's waistcoat that he's currently wearing on stage if you'd like to find out more about the gold community just go to genomilitia.com and click on join the community all right, let's move on to this week's topic, which is all about how to stand out from the pack with our photography and Photoshop guru, Aaron Nace from Flern. What are we going to talk about this week, Gina? Yeah, I love doing this interview, Val. Aaron Nace is a Chicago-based photographer and educator, and he runs the uber-successful company called Flern. And uh, he, he's best known for his uh, in-depth and very entertaining Photoshop and Lightroom training. And uh, the other thing that I love about Aaron's work is he's also an excellent photographer. So often you'll get uh, Photoshop educators that that's their specialty and they're usually, you know, sometimes they're using stock photos to do the stuff, but Aaron does it all. And if you go back a little bit, and I encourage everyone to have a look as we um, talk about this in the interview, he, he started by doing a brilliant 365 uh, self-portrait project. So for a year, he did uh, self-portraits. And he, the way his mind works, it's, it's amazing. So, um, and, and, and what he did is that that's how he really taught himself, uh, Photoshop and photography skills. And he put himself and, and have a look at his Flickr account. I'll put a link in the show notes mm-hmm. and have a look at the portraits and, and just how incredible they are. And also have a look at his personal work, uh, AaronNace.com. Uh, I'll also put a link, um, in the show notes and you can just sort of see how good a photographer and uh, Photoshop guru this guy is. He's also a a super nice guy. We had a a really long chat um, before the podcast started about all sorts of stuff. We've got a lot of common interests, which was uh, great. Uh, So he... um, he started running a, a YouTube channel and he's, he's got like over one and a half million YouTube mm-hmm. su- subscribers. So, you know, that's a, a pretty good feat. So we cover all sorts of stuff like uh, qualities of great photography, uh, benefits of post-production. He goes through his workflow technique, runs us through that and, uh, you know, explains what good pr- post-production looks like and the importance of pre-visualization and uh, 
all sorts of other stuff. Great. Lots of little gems here. He's very generous with his information. Shall we have a listen? Absolutely. Here we go with Aaron Nace. Aaron Nace, welcome to the show. How are you going? <laughs> Good. How are you? Good. It's great to chat to you today. Before we start, where in the world are you? I live in Chicago, Illinois, in the United States, a beautiful, windy city. Uh, currently at my studio, and uh, we've got a beautiful view of downtown Chicago and the Sears Tower and the skyline. It's a fantastic city. I haven't been. I want to go. It's on my list. I actually drove past last year, and I thought, wow, that's a massive city. It's huge. And it's <laughs> like, uh, so you get around there, a great location to shoot in as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of amazing things in a city like this. And, you know, we've got really great suburbs. And, of course, we're on a lake, uh, Lake Michigan, which mm. is, you know, uh, one of the great lakes in the United States. And it's absolutely huge. You know, you cannot see the other side of it. It, it basically looks like an ocean from the city. So it's a really unique city in that it's, you know, it kind of just ends. You have, you know, suburbs then you have neighborhoods, then you have skyscrapers, and then you just have a giant lake. And uh, it, it really gives the city uh, a very fine focal point. You know, everything is moving right to those giant skyscrapers that are right on the water, and then there's absolutely nothing uh, but water to the east. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a very special place. Fantastic. And it's like uh, so different to where you grew up. You grew up in Hawaii, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. And this is indeed a very different place. Yeah. I grew up, you know, chasing chickens with my bare feet and, you know, making tree forts and spending all my days outside with my brothers. And, you know, now I'm living the complete urban lifestyle. Do you miss the green? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah. I, I mean, I travel a decent bit, which is yeah. fantastic, you know. Um, and also I have a ton of indoor plants, so it's a, it's a real like, uh, passion of mine to, to work with plants as well. So, you know, without, without having all my indoor plants, I don't think I would be nearly as functional as a human being. Do you talk to your plants? I talk to mine every day. I have conversations with them. Do you find that has an influence on how they grow? Oh, definitely. (laughs) I mean, it also just means i pay more attention to them you know what i mean so like yeah. if they're not doing so well i can i can catch it you know um yeah i mean i i spend as much possible time as i can you know with my plants i find that early morning is the best you know because i have uh house plants but i also have plants at the studio and usually if i get into the studio and everyone else is here uh there's a, just so much energy here a lot going on so um for my time with my plants, I really like to get here like really early in the morning, you know, close to sunrise and it's just me and the plants. And, um, yeah, it's a really special time to kind of like relax and, you know, just connect with something other than computers and yeah, yeah, concrete and, you know, work emails and things like that. So yeah, super happy. I I think that's a great idea because we're in front of screens a lot more than we used to be as photographers. I mean, I started shooting film, so we'd do our shoot, drop it off, and that was it. Now we're constantly in front of screens. So I think just having a few plants uh, next to your computer is going to help with how you feel so that you've got that, that green to look out for. It's just like looking after yourself, I think. 
Oh, 100%. Plus, it gives you a good break from, you know, like you could work for a while on your computer and take a break, kind of care for your plants. You know, it's a, uh, yeah, it gives it gives me it anyway something else to do while I'm at work so I'm not constantly bombarded by technology yeah just on, just on that um, do you find that uh, being in front of a screen like th- that blue light all the time does that uh, affect your sleep and have you ever like do you use night but obviously you can't if you're doing color sensitive retouching but I'm a big fan of those uh, blue blocking um, sunglasses when, when I'm working late at night on my computer if it's not something that has to be color sensitive uh are you doing any of that sort of stuff to just to protect your uh health and your eyes <laughs> you know i don't have the sunglasses i definitely should get those i use a couple programs on the computer that will like make the screen warmer yeah. at night but i imagine those sunglasses are even better um and just in general i really try not to look at screens after you know after work you know like yep. basically when i when i clock out i'm just like i'm done with computers i'm done with technology this is just like my time to you know cook beautiful food and hang out with friends and family and you know just read and and do things that you know really have nothing to do with uh with work i mean i check my phone uh, yeah, and post on Instagram and things like that. But other than that, I'm I'm totally clocked out. Well, I think it's really important to try and protect that time. But th- th- there are times when you've got no choice. So it's good to have those ha- hacks in your back pocket. Now, you're a fantastic um, retoucher and and also a, an amazing photographer. What is it? What what do you think? is the quality of a photograph what stops the scroll for you what will stop you what are the qualities of a photo that you notice the most is it the the subject is it the retouching what is it that you'll go wow that image is fantastic yeah i starts with a couple of things i mean first if it's something that i've literally never seen before that's going to stop me in my tracks mm. you know if it's just a, a, another another person on a gray backdrop like even if it's, it's incredibly lit and you know just a wonderful photo all around you know it it probably won't stop me in my tracks because i've just i've seen i've seen it before you Mm -hmm. know what i mean and the same is true in my own work i mean i I photograph people on great backgrounds uh sometimes too and you know then it's like awesome photo for what it is but um so just uh you know and that can be based on concept that can be based on uh angle that can be based on lighting but in general i'm looking for something that like I have never seen anything like this before. Um, and that's my goal for my own personal work is creating something that I've never seen before visually. Um, also, if a photo tells a story, like, you know, I feel like if I can get everything that's going on within the first glance, then it's not going to make me, you know, stick around and try to figure out what's going on. But um, looking at an image, if there's more to this image, like, the more you look at it, the more a story builds in my head. Like that's what really, really pulls me in. And um, with that, a lot of my conceptual work is actually based on stories. Mm. So I'll I'll even like write short stories and then base the photographs on the short stories and include all kinds of details that uh, are meant to just like further further tell the element of the story. And the the user or the uh, the end viewer doesn't necessarily have to know what the story is. They can kind of make up the story in their own head. But 
having those elements of story, I feel like add a lot of interest into images. So, I mean, I think the fact that you grew up in, in beautiful Hawaii and then you had this like idyllic sounding, uh, you know, childhood where you were running around. I, I imagine that like you didn't have, um, well, you weren't in, in front of computers playing computer games. You were out there like <laughs> making up games. Is that right? And so using your imagination, is that right? Oh, yeah. It's a big, big part. I mean, we weren't, we didn't have TV growing up. I mean, some people did on the island. It wasn't mm. like it didn't exist. But my parents, you know, consciously chose to not have that be an option. Uh, yeah, we were encouraged to go out, you know, make up our own games, play outside and go on adventures. And I really feel that that has such a big part of who I am today because, you know, there was n very few restrictions and I was just allowed to, you know, do whatever I wanted pretty much, you know, I mean, I definitely got in trouble some, but you know, like I was, I was given freedom as a child and I feel like now as an adult, I just continued the trend of, you know, trying to maintain as much freedom in my life, uh, you know, as possible. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I just want to go back now and I want to touch on your uh, thought process for creating uh, your images, but I just want to go back to, I think, where it, it all started for you and uh, like that's your a selfie project that you did when you first started. You did a 365-day project where you did uh, posted a, a selfie every day and it's like, as I'm describing this, I can imagine listeners thinking, okay, he did himself in front of a white wall and then he was in front of a tree. And But no, th these images are incredible and so detailed and everything is like, it looks like a full day shoot for each image and then, you know, another day of uh, retouching. Can you uh, run us through that, how that looked, how you planned that and uh, what sort of uh, influence that had on getting your career going? Yeah, so um, I actually did have a full-time job at the time. So yeah. basically, I would go to work and, um, you know, whenever I had a few minutes uh, at work, I would just try to think about what type of images I was going to take that night. So, you know, I'd get off work at about 5.30, go right home, grab all my gear, you know, whatever idea I had, I just like went right to work on photographing it. And a lot of my images were taken at night because I just had, had a job, you know? Yeah. Uh, and... Then I would, you know, shoot basically, you know, in the first few days, like you said, like you could, you take a picture in front of the mirror and then you take a picture in the living room and then it's like, oh, this is going to get really boring. So then I just, you know, pretty much out of necessity because I really wanted to do the project and wanted, I used the project as a way to learn photography. Yeah. Um, you know, I started inventing new worlds and creating <laughs> situations and, and using a lot of Photoshop to just do things that couldn't possibly exist in real life. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where I just found so much enjoyment was like, oh, cool. Like this is, you know, this is a, a, a medium here. I, I was using the combination of Photoshop and photography, both mediums, you know, to create conceptual photo, uh, to create conceptual images. So, uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was, you know, a lot of people I think look at Photoshop as like an end product, like, you know, we, we take the photograph and then you just put it in Photoshop to clean it up. But yeah. for me, Photoshop was an essential part of the image making process, as was photography. 
And that's really where I, I learned my both Photoshop and photography was during that self-portrait project. Yeah, and what I love, I mean, like the the production value of the images of your work um, in general across the board is just so beautiful and you go that extra mile. But the other thing that I love about your self-portraits is how much of your personality is in there. It's like it's so obvious that uh, you've got this uh, great sense of humor but there's also like the, the there's a darker side as well. There there is depth. <laughs> it, it, this is what I love. There is depth in these images. It's just like it's not a matter of I'm going to take a beautiful image. You know, here I am and stay. You know, it's not a, an Instagram selfie. You, you look at it and I'm intrigued. So you know, when I <laughs> ask you the question, uh, what is it that uh, stops the scroll? For me, it's like. Oh my God! What's this guy about? Look at this! What? What? what wow! What's this about? And it, and and I have to think about the image. So I think that's fantastic. But just they're so every image is so different. It's like you didn't hack any of these <laughs> out. You don't hack stuff out, and you can see that in the work. And it's like you know the 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 what so. In terms of like, I can see so many different things. Like you've um, uh, used uh, paintings as an influence. There's images of you with mm-hmm. teddy bears and all of that. What what are your influences? Where where how did your style develop? Obviously, I can see there is a big influence um, from um, you know the fine art world. And and what else do you use? What else influences your style? Yeah, I mean, I would say just about anything that I'm interested in. Mm. So, you know, I, I really do. I take images just like all over the place. Like I've been photographing a lot of food, for instance, lately, because I love food. I, I'm an avid cook. I, I try to cook almost all of my food uh, that I eat, which is like, that's a lot of cooking, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, I really like food. I really like photographers, so, photography. So I'm going to start combining them. So you know, recently I've been doing a lot of food photography and, you know, it's not going to go in my professional portfolio or whatever. I mean, maybe one day it will, but not yet. Uh, but it's just an example of like uh, combining interests. And for me, photography has always been a way to, you know, to pull different interests of mine together and produce images. So, you know, yeah, one day I'm interested in this, I'm going to be photographing it. The next day I'm going to be interested in that. That's where my photography can go. And I also do a lot, you know, exploring my own my own psyche, you know, yeah. the light side and the dark side, like you mentioned, and, you know, thoughts and emotions that I'm going through. Sometimes if I have trouble processing my emotions, uh, I'll, I'll turn them into images. And that helps me as a little bit of therapy. Yeah. Uh, so kind of ev- everywhere, you know, it, it kind of comes from everywhere. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, just part of my personality is like, I, I tend to move on very quickly with things like, you know, I'll get super, super into something and then like, okay, I figured out what I wanted to figure out time to move on. Um, (laughs) and for me, you know, having, creating images that are super different, you know, is just a way for me to be like consistently interested in photography. Like, like the images that I'm taking, you know, from year to year are very, very different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it uh, in some ways it makes it like, you know, I, I think some people might 
say that that would make it a little bit difficult to market yourself as a commercial photographer. Um, but for me, I, I just think it's just a, a necessary part of who I am where like, you know, I, I can't be photographing the same thing for too long or even in the same style. I just get kind of bored and, and want to move on. And in those times, it's either like move on with style and subject material or move on completely from photography. And, yeah. and thankfully, you know, uh, it hasn't been move on completely from photography. You know, I'm able, there's so much out there, uh, so much that I'm interested that I'm able to, you know, pair those interests with photography and uh, continue to, you know, just kind of create what, what I want to, what I want to create. And, um, you know, I, I think having personal work is a, such an important part of, of being an artist and being a photographer. Um, of course, it's nice, the commercial stuff uh, yeah. as well, but, you know, really like all my personal fulfillment comes with uh, personal work. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And, and there's only, when you're working for a client, it's, um, you know, there, there are those fantastic clients that come along and just say, just do what you do. And we love them. But often it's like, you've got an art director who's telling you exactly where to place the people. And this is the sort of lighting it's got to fit, you know, these dimensions. And so you can't always put your personality in. And often uh, clients are looking at the personal work to get a sense of, uh, you know, who you are as a photographer. And I see like, uh, it particularly, you know, in your personal work, the, the, the joy, the love of photography oozes out of every pixel. It's beautiful. It really is fantastic work. <laughs> I'd love Thank to see so that. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's um, many uh, photographers when they're getting into uh, photography, it's already, it's hard enough just to get off auto and, and get a, a handle on the camera. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I need to learn retouching. And as you said, often people will just use uh, things like Lightroom or Photoshop just to basically clean up the image. And something like Lightroom or Photoshop, when you open it up, it can be overwhelming when, when you're just starting <laughs> out. So, um, Yeah, totally. What, what, what do you see are the benefits of going that extra, um, doing that extra work and um, doing good post-production on your images? And um, by that, I mean, that there is also, I, I see often uh, a lot of photographers that uh, are starting out and will use it to fix their mistakes rather than getting it yeah. right in camera. And that's, uh, that's a sort of a dangerous thing because we've got this powerful tool that can fix mistakes. But, you know, when you yeah. get it right in camera, it can be so much better. So uh, for someone who's just starting out and like looking at and, and thinking, oh, my God, this is like, where do I start? What, a, what are the benefits of uh, post-production? And uh, how do you recommend that someone who's just starting out dip their toe in the water and get into uh, retouching? What, what, what do you suggest are the steps there? So I look at post-production in general as just another set of tools in creating images. And, you know, the, the, the tool set for image making is an unlimited tool set. You know, we look at uh, large productions and you've got uh, lighting, you've got uh, models, you've got hair styling, makeup styling, uh, wardrobe styling, location scouting, uh, you know, prop styling. You know, all of that is just going into production. And then, of course, you have the actual capture of the image, which uses a camera, just another tool. 
And then you have your post-production, which kind of pulls it all together. And I know, you know, if you're just starting out, like, like I started out with a self-portrait project, right? I didn't have any money. Like, oh, you know, like I lived at home with my parents. I had, I, there was no production money. I had a job, but like there was, I was not putting money into my photos. So for me, post-production was a way that allowed me to be a little bit more creative. And, you know, it was just me going out with a camera and I, because, you know, because I had like relatively limited um, resources, uh, I used post-production to give my images a little bit more of an artistic feel and also to express, you know, creative ideas that I have and really kind of push the boundaries of what I could possibly do um, as an artist. But, you know, I will say that post-production in general has so many different uses. I mean, personally, I love conceptual photography and I, I think it's a lot of fun to do. You know, but there are plenty of photographers out there who are doing stunning work, uh, you know, that that are in many different genres. And uh, post-production, like, you know, soft software like Photoshop and Lightroom definitely have a place there as well. Because like you said, yes, these programs are great at fixing problems. And of course, it's better to get it right in camera. I completely agree with that. Sometimes you just don't get it right in camera mm -hmm. or maybe you think you did a great job in camera and you look at it a couple of days later and you're like, you know what, this little thing could have been better or I didn't notice there was a, you know, a trash can in the background mm. and it's really distracting me right now and I, I should have moved it on set but I didn't, wasn't paying attention. You can remove it in Photoshop. Mm. So uh, these things are, you know, really, really powerful tools that can help you make uh the images that you want to make and i i wouldn't say you know it's a great strategy to rely on post-production because starting out with powerful well-conceived images is always a recipe for success my general goal is to try to take the best possible images that i can and then do what i can in post-production to improve them or you know simply draw more attention to my subject or enhance the lighting, do some dodging and burning and sharpening. There are many, many things that you can do once you open these uh, toolboxes. My suggestion for anyone starting is uh, to use Lightroom, which mm. is a fantastic tool for raw editing. So you can adjust things like your white balance, your exposure, you can fix if your shadows are too dark, or your highlights are too bright. There's a lot you can do in Lightroom and I think it's a fantastic place to start when you're looking to do a little bit more advanced techniques, things like compositing different photos together or maybe high-end retouching or advanced coloring and lighting, then it's time to jump into Photoshop. And, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot to learn, um, but uh, that's, I'm going to just plug flearn.com. That's yeah. P-H-L-E-A-R-N.com because uh, that's basically in my opinion, anyway, a really, really great place to learn uh, Photoshop, Lightroom, and, and photography. It's uh, an education my uh, education company that I started about 10 years ago teaching teaching creatives how to take better images. Yeah, and what I love about your tutorials, Aaron, is the way, the, the detail that you go into when you explain. You, know, you don't just like go, all right, look, to do this, do this, do this, do this, and then do that. And then sort of everyone's like, yeah, but what? You know, you explain the why. Like you'll go into, you'll say, oh, hang on, this next step, I just want to go back and explain why 
why this happens and show you what happens when you go into great detail and the pace is it's a good pace like you can keep up with it so it's i think it's a it's a great uh, a tool for photographers to 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 learn that art of um post production and you can sort of start where you, where you are and then advance uh, as you need to and i think uh, it's important to take on a stepped approach to education uh, it, as well as learning how to shoot learning post-production and not diving straight into um, high-end um, composites when you're you know you've just sort of you're just learning um, what white balance looks like do, do you agree <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great to be inspired by the complicated stuff, right? Mm. Like when everyone wants to play like guitar, of course they want to play like, you know, <laughs> badass guitar songs, right? Like you don't want to play like chords. Like that's not that's not what you want to do. Uh, but getting the fundamentals down is a great way to help you uh, get to those advanced places. So, yeah, I think definitely look at the advanced stuff as inspiration and give it a shot you know you can you can, there's no limit to what you can do um but if you find yourself you know just getting a little bit like in over your head that's okay because uh we've got you know stuff for you know starting out as well so uh you know as with learning anything i, I just get in there and you know kind of poke around and, and have fun with it and you know i would say like try to figure out something you want to do with it too you know like learning a piece of software just for the sake of learning it um, you know, to me is that doesn't sound like very much fun. Like, why would I, you know, it's yeah. just like, but if there's something I want to do with it, like I want to make, you know, I want to take a picture of this person, you know, in my house and I want to make them look like they're on the moon, then that's worth learning Photoshop for. So yeah. it's like, if you have a reason to learn these programs, it makes learning them a lot more fun. And, uh, and then you can kind of direct, direct your your learning um you know in in those directions so with um let's just say uh someone's taken a portrait uh just a, a very basic portrait what what does your basic workflow look like uh and uh what advice have you got for someone who wants to then take that image to the next level so what are the things that you would recommend that you do at the very least to to an image um straight out of camera so I'll take uh, always shoot in raw. Mm. So uh, I'll be bringing my raw image into Lightroom, where I'll do uh, light and exposure and uh, color white balance correction. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, just an image that a camera you know you know spits out. Basically, oftentimes the highlight levels and the shadow levels aren't exactly what what you want. So you know, there's some like very, very easy sliders. Like there's literally a slider in Lightroom that says shadows and you can just yep. like drag it to the left and right, make your shadows brighter or darker. You can do the same thing with your highlights, your exposure, you can change up and down because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, even if you get all of your settings like pretty right in camera, like you're going to look at that image on your computer and still say like, oh, you know what? It's a bit too bright or it's a tiny bit too dark or you, you're going to notice some details. So Lightroom is a fantastic place to start and it's, you know, even these days, you know, I, I'm a very, a very heavy Photoshop user, but I always start off with my images in a raw processing software like Lightroom. Mm -hmm. uh, Photoshop actually has Adobe Camera Raw, which is a uh, raw processing software built into Photoshop itself. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to go through Lightroom, but as long as you're doing some type of raw processing software, 
you can really make your images go pretty far uh, that way. And if that's as far as you need to take your images, then that's totally perfect. And if you're looking to go, you know, to the next level, maybe give them a little bit more stylization, like a painterly effect or work on the lighting or, you know, add depth with dodging and burning, then tools like Photoshop really come in handy. Just on um, skin retouching. So again, if you're shooting a series of uh, family portraits or portraits of someone, what are you removing in post and what are you leaving? Have you got general rules like if it's always been there, then leave it? And if it, it if it's something like a, a blemish, you'll remove. Do you do you have a general rule of thumb that you try and stick to when you when you're editing, say, a portrait of someone? I do. I also, you know, uh, work very closely with uh, the subject, uh, whoever I'm editing. So, mm. you know, I'll I'll kind of right off the bat, like, hey, I'll you know, like. If you want me to, I can like remove little blemishes and things like that. If there's anything else you want me to do, you know, let me know. Um, for instance, I just retouched an image today of a uh, a friend of mine who's pregnant. Uh, she actually just had her baby, but I photographed her when she was pregnant, um, and she was wearing a red dress uh, with a red bra, and she's you know the bra was like semi transparent, semi uh, see through, and she really liked the outfit, but she wasn't comfortable. you know, publishing images with a semi-transparent bra. So, you know, she asked if I could fill in the transparent areas of the bra and uh, make it look like it was just an opaque fabric. And I said, of course, you know, that's something that I would not do, you know, on my own Mm. uh, necessarily, but because she asked me to do it, I'm happy to do that. And, you know, that pretty much runs the gamut. At the end of the day, I'm, you know, I make images for a lot of different purposes, but if I'm taking these images of a family or, you know, a client and, you know, I, their happiness is the most important thing uh, that I need to keep in mind as a retoucher. So uh, I want to make sure that people look like their best selves. I, yeah. I'm not trying to make someone look totally different or, you know, tra- change their body shape or their, you know, face shape or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, you know, what that individual feels like would be their best self. And I will always do my best to communicate uh, with that client before delivering images, you know, hey, is there anything that you want want me to do? And, you know, I'll, I'll have all kinds of requests uh, to change different things. You know, um, everyone is, you know, has an idea of how, um, you know, they might want to appear in, in a photograph. And, uh, part of my job is is helping that become a reality. So, w- when you're say you've done a portrait session with someone, uh, are you sending them uh, proofs of the uh, raw files? Like uh, you know, just are you editing the images to a certain level before you send them, or are you just going to send them straight out of camera? Do you do any like minor editing before you'll send the proofs to a client? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, everything is going to go through Lightroom and all correct exposure, white balance, you know, general lighting. You know, we're talking about uh, very, very quick edits, but just making sure that everything is, you know, to a presentable level. I send them the images with a giant watermark over it, you know, that says copyright, you know, photographer's name and the watermark says do not share, do not reproduce. Because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the the final retouch 
image is, you know, it's a reflection of me as an artist. And I do, you know, I, I really don't want people sharing, you know, a straight out of camera, unretouched image and then saying, hey, Aaron Nay shot this. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I did. But like, <laughs> you know, like we got to wait until you get the final one, you know, because yeah. it's going to look way cooler. Um, you know, so I just throw a giant watermark over there that makes them like, they got an idea of what the photo looks like. Like they can definitely choose their favorite pose or, you know, their, you know, which, which images they like, but they're, you know, they're not going to want to share it because it's got a giant ugly watermark on it. Um, and that giant ugly watermark uh, stays there until, um, and until basically the, the, the job is complete. So, you know, uh, you know, moving on to the financial side of things, uh, you know, taking a 50% payment up front is a mm -hmm. great idea. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, sh getting, you know, the, the last 50% and delivering, you know, the full sized final images with no watermarks only after, uh, the last payment has processed. Um, that just protects you as, as an artist and makes sure that, you know, if you go sending, you know, a client an image before you get your payment, there's not much to stop them from just sharing those images and then maybe never paying you. And yeah. hopefully you never have any of that type of client in your life. But, um, you know, I, I, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard the stories. So, um, always try to do my best, even with people I trust. I, it's just part of my workflow to, you know, make sure that I'm always protected and my clients are always protected as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. And the, the 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 great thing about Lightroom is it allows you to so say you've done a, a series of portraits, same lighting, but there's just like all these different looks. Uh, you, there might be twenty images that you want to share with the client. You can edit one and then apply that edit to all twenty, and including the watermark very quickly. Like you can do it in three three minutes, really, from start to finish. So that's what I love uh, about Lightroom: the ability to batch edit images. I wish that sort of uh, transferred over to Photoshop, but I, I think that's one of my favorite things about Light, Lightroom: being able to do that. It's so handy. Yeah, it really is fantastic. And that's, you know, uh, also really helpful when I'm shooting, I'll use a gray card on set. Yeah. And uh, basically, it's just like a like a literally a piece of plastic that's gray. It's nothing very special, but um, it's used to get proper white balance in post production. So I'll I'll make sure I photograph at least one frame mm. with the gray card in set usually just right by my subject's face mm. and then there's a there's an eyedropper tool at Lightroom that you can use you click on the eyedropper tool and then click on the gray card and it makes sure that it uses that gray as a way to get proper white balance so you can get perfect white balance provided you're shooting in raw very very easily by just photographing one frame with a gray card and then you just sync the rest of the images in the series, the white balance with the image you got in a gray card, and then all of a sudden, all of your images in that entire series have perfect white balance. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that you can do to your images that's going to make a huge difference, particularly with skin tones, is doing that white balance. And uh, the gray card needs to be like, for the first few shoots that you do, you can keep forgetting to, to use that gray card, <laughs> but it makes such a difference. 
Uh, do you have a, uh, a a go-to for the times that you've forgotten to use the grey card? Will you use like the whites of the eyes or like look for a, another grey somewhere? What what what's your go-to if you don't have that grey card in the image? Yeah, uh, definitely just look for um, you know another thing that's a, a neutral color. Like a, a, if there's another grey in the photo, that's uh, fantastic. Um, if you're unsure, you can use a little drop down uh, in in Lightroom where you can set like, you know, cloudy day, daylight, tungsten light, uh, and you can kind of click through those and see what works best. And then you can look at other photographs as, as references because as long as you're shooting in RAW, you'll have access to adjust the warmth of your image as well as the tint of your image. So you can make it more blue or yellow, green or magenta. And generally just using those sliders, you should be able to get a good idea of what looks right to you, um, you know, at least within a, a certain percentage of error. And, you know, there are definitely times when I don't want the perfect white balance. Sometimes mm. I want my images to be a little bit warmer or mm. a little bit cooler, depending on what the subject material is. You know, if I'm photographing someone in the snow, I want my image to have a little bit of a cooler effect to it. So it, it really... You know, it depends on what your end goal is uh, for the photograph. Yeah, so subtle shifts in color can really make a difference to uh, the perception of of the image as well. Um, With that post-production, so uh, when you're looking at an image, um, is there anything that stands out um, as as bad bad (laughs) post-production that people should avoid? Well, I'll say when, you know, when I started as a photographer, I tended to just overdo things like, you know, you find the button, you find a trick, you find a tool and you're like, yeah, look how crazy (laughs) I made my image look, you know, and at the time it was like, this is so cool. Uh, But looking back years later, it's like, wow, I really, uh, I really cranked that slider up to 10, didn't I? Wow. (laughs) You know? So I would say more than every, more than anything, just, um, you know, trying to keep things subtle, you know, my goal and, and I'm a, I'm a Photoshop enthusiast, you know, I, I've based my career around Photoshop. I, I really, really love it. I would say that I'm a photographer first and then a Photoshop artist, but, um, you know, I love Photoshop, but when I use Photoshop, I don't want my images to look like they've been Photoshopped. Yeah. I want them to look natural and that's that's a something that i learned you know over time but you know the images that look like they're straight out of camera that look natural uh for me have a lot long longer lasting appeal Mm. than the images that look like they've heavily been uh you know edited in photoshop so you know looking at my images i mean i've I've got a picture of a cat that's 15 feet tall you know uh behind a woman you know like it's very obviously not straight out of camera but if you look at the photograph, it doesn't look photoshoppy. It, it yeah. looks real, um, I mean, in my personal opinion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's that's my goal is to make sure that, you know, whatever I'm doing in Photoshop looks real. So um, I would say just try to keep things subtle if you can. Maybe if there's an effect that you really like, you know, go ahead and apply that effect and then maybe lower the opacity of it just a little bit to get some of the original image, you know, kind of shining through. 
Yeah, it's kind of like there's uh, some great quotes on um, dressing, like fashion dressing, and it's like I think Coco Chanel said, "You dress yourself, and then um, you 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 take uh, a few things off. Dress so as not to hurt my eyes. I guess retouch so as not to hurt the eyes of the viewer. Right? So on that, how do you know when an image is finished? What do you? Like, what do you do to say, okay, it's done? Because you do get so into editing and retouching and suddenly all the colours start to look good and, and you don't realise that you've just gone too far. Have you got a protocol that you apply to just to, so that you can um, check that you haven't gone too far with the editing? And Yeah, I would say always start with an end goal in mind, you know, figuring out what you want to do with an image. You know, uh, if you just get into Photoshop and like, I don't know what I should do with this image and you start just playing around and cranking sliders, you know, uh, you might find at the end of the day, it's a little bit difficult to know when you're done because, you know, it's like, you know, driving to a destination. If if you don't have a destination in mind, you're just going to be driving around forever. Hmm. So that's, you know, having a goal really helps out. Uh, and also taking breaks, you know, I'll edit an image many, many times over days and days Mm. if I have the time, but if I don't even just taking breaks of 10, 15 minutes. So, you know, make a few edits, go grab a snack, go chat with someone on the phone, come back and look at it again. You'll see things in a totally new light and do that a few times during your edit and you'll come back and say, because I can't tell you how many times like I've edited an image in in entirety and I'll go, yeah, I'm done, post it online and I'll look at it the next day and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that does not look good. Like, what was I thinking? You know what I mean? Uh, so taking breaks means that you're going to see that stuff before you ever publish it out in the world. So, you know, make an adjustment, go take a break, come back and if you still like it, you're good to go. If you're like, ah, you know what, it's just not right again, it's it's time to go back and, you know, start start making some changes there. Fantastic. That's that's great advice. And uh, just finally, with um, uh, Photoshop, I've just seen some incredible developments. The AI is getting so powerful in Photoshop. Where do you see that going in the next few years? Like, uh, have you got any insight into uh, new developments that might be happening? I mean, um yeah, there's just been some so many great and powerful tools added that I'm like, I can't believe that Photoshop can do all these things. Where, where do you <laughs> see that heading? Yeah, I definitely see things like uh, object removal mm. becoming uh, much, much more automated. Uh, there's already the tool called the Spot Healing Brush Tool in Photoshop, which is just a mm. very powerful tool. Basically, just paint over the object you don't want to be there and Photoshop will fill it in uh, with what thinks it should be there. Uh, and it does a very good job most of yeah. the time. So I think these, you know, kind of AI based tools are going to get a lot more powerful. And I wouldn't be surprised if Photoshop, uh, if Adobe starts introducing more automatic type retouching, uh, tools into the, into the platform as well, where it can analyze skin and, you know, soften and smooth and, and do all these things in a very, um, you know, in a very high end, uh, advanced way. So I, I see that, you know, the artwork, um, the artwork part of Photoshop, I don't think that we're going to see being replaced by, you know, <laughs> by computers. But I think for these more like automated tasks, like cutting things out of their backgrounds, removing things 
and maybe a little bit of skin processing. I think those are the sort of things we're going to see uh, Photoshop really come to shine on in the new in the new future. Fantastic. Um, that's exciting times ahead. So, um, yeah, obviously I encourage everyone to go and uh, get onto flern.com and check out all your amazing – like you've got a bunch of – how many – are there thousands of like – you've been going for 10 years online, right? <laughs> yeah, Do you know yeah, how many yeah, are out have... there so far? How many tutorials you've uh, got up? Yeah, I mean definitely uh... – uh, many, many, many hundreds, if not thousands. Uh, <laughs> I think I've made free tutorials now, yeah. maybe like eight, 800 or yeah. so free yeah. tutorials. Um, and then we have a, uh, about 150 to 200 uh, pro tutorials yeah. on our website as well. So we're hovering right around the thousand mark. So you pretty much got the uh, the Netflix there going on of um, re- retouching tutorials at at, at flern dot com. So there's <laughs> there's something from for everyone, and you can subscribe and um, you know dip in at whatever level you're at, and be entertained as well because it's very like your photography, your uh, che- teaching tutorials um, are very high end, and not only that, it's not you don't have a very dry approach to how you teach. It's very entertaining. You keep it flowing. You like a dad joke too, I noticed. <laughs> but I love a dad well, joke. You know, a good thing. <laughs> oh, I gotta get those dad jokes. In. And you know, we're teaching to a teaching to a pretty large, uh, you know, audience, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna get those jokes in, but you never know who's listening. So dad jokes are definitely the way to go. But that's important because it keeps everyone engaged because it can be very dry and technical and it's easy to tune out. But if you're being entertained as you learn, then I think that's a great thing. I completely agree. You know, uh, the way that I think about, you know, learning pro- computer programs and my approach to learn in general is like, I want you to feel like you're kind of hanging out with your friend who yeah. just happens to really like Photoshop and they're showing you things that you can do with your images. So less like a, you know, structured, uh, you know, like course material where it's like you have a professor who's, you know, kind of like teaching over you. It's like, I, I'm there, like, we're just doing this together. We're hanging out and like, you know, an hour goes by and you're like, oh, damn, I know how to retouch now. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know? Well, you do it very well. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for everything that you've done for the uh, photography industry. It's been amazing. And it's been amazing to chat with you. And uh, hopefully we can, it, like there's a, you know, I could chat to you for another three hours, but we have to keep it uh, within <laughs> the timeline. So, uh, but I'd definitely love to uh, get you back on down the track and, uh, you know, see what else you've been up to. So Aaron, thanks so much and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. And uh, if you're ever in Chicago, please come by and I hope I can come see you in Australia sometime. Definitely, definitely. Yes. And I'd I'd love to see your uh, houseplants and come and have a chat to them. (laughs) (laughs) They would like to meet you. (laughs) Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. What an awesome interview and, I mean, really, check out his Flickr account and, of course, that link will be in the show notes over at ginamilitia.com. Uh, but that is, as you said, the um, selfie, the, the self-portraits. They're just fantastic. He's just yeah. so creative. Yeah. And, um, yeah, All his work, even on his personal website as well, um, Aaron Nace, 
dot com mm. uh check out and and also flern.com check out you know all of those spots because he's uh really next level uh the thinking and the detail and the sense of humor that goes into it and then and then other dimensions like he really that whole idea of pre-visualizing it is it's a it's awesome stuff mm. and in case any of you have been wondering what the hell gina and i have been saying when we've been referring to flern that's ph learn as in you know when you learn when you go to school so ph learn is flern and if you go to flern.com we've got an awesome uh promotional code for you in case you do want to learn from aaron listeners of so you want to be a photographer get a 20 percent discount yeah. on the subscription so use the promo code gina20 that's Gina20 if you end up subscribing uh, to flern.com and you will get a 20% discount, which is pretty awesome, isn't it, Gina? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, have a look and, uh, you know, hit him up on his uh, Instagram or, or Twitter and uh, say thanks for the interview because it's fantastic. And do, do check out and there's a ton of free tutorials there as well. So do check it out. All right, brilliant. We're at the end of this week's episode. What are you going to be busy doing in the coming uh, uh, week? I've got an Aussie slang word, Val. Oh, yes, we can't miss Aussie can't slang leave. of the week. Yes. Yes, go on. Sweet as. Okay, so, so it's not quite an Aussie slang word. It's like a it's, it's, it's like a idiosyncratic phraseology that we use. Yeah, putting as on the end of something. So um, we Aussies usually put as at the end of uh, adjectives to give it emphasis. So mm. you can lazy as, mm. lovely as, fast mm. as, common as. So <laughs> next time. <laughs> You're uh, critiquing someone's photo or talking about something in the podcast community, just uh, add as in there. Because, of course, it's meant to be sweet as something else or common as something else. But sweet as is enough, you know. That's that's a good comment for a photo if you want to speak Aussie. Just just the comment instead of going, oh, that's really good, you can go, yeah, good as. (laughs) Good as. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, great. Aussie slang of the week. We'd love to see it in the uh, on Facebook or something. Um, where do we find you online, Gina? So you can find me at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And so while you're there, you can sign up to the newsletter. You can also get the free ebook, The Shot, and my travel pack of Lightroom presets. So I think there's six presets in there uh, that you can get. I'm on Instagram on and all social media at ginamilitia. I'm also in the So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. And if you've got a photography-related question and you're not on Facebook, you can also send me an email, news at genamilitia.com. And if you want to fast-track your photography training and want to be mentored by me, then check out the Goal Community, over 250 tutorials. We do Facebook Lives, a heap of stuff in there. Just go to genamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. What about you, Val? Uh, you'll find me at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram. That's K-H-O-O and over at ValerieKoo.com. And that's it from us this week. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.